Welcome to the Tread Lightly podcast. I'm running coach Amanda Brooks of Run to the Finish. And I'm running coach Laura Norris of Laura Norris Running. Between the two of us, we have over 20 years of coaching experience with thousands of athletes. Plus thousands of articles on all things running and one master's of exercise science. In this podcast, we break down popular topics in running so that you can train smarter. Thank you to everyone who has listened already, who has sent us notes, and especially for taking the time to subscribe and rate and review. We greatly appreciate it. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify. Today, we're going to be talking about supplements and what is actually worth the hype. Oh man, this is such a big one. But first, I was thinking about this earlier today. Tell us a story about an athlete you worked with that you feel like has made you a better coach. Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I have one athlete. I've worked with her for a long time now, I think since early 2018. And what she, I really learned from her was that sometimes the best race results actually come from doing less with an athlete, which is really counterintuitive to the mindset even if we look at things and we're like, oh, more mileage is better, bigger workouts are better. Um, so she came to me, I think like a 340-something marathoner, and we were doing five runs a week. We were like doing pretty big workouts, and she was also a PhD student. And it was after she became a mom also that we scaled her back to four runs per week, still kept in like one to two really big, like one really big workout, and then sometimes a little workout within her long run, sometimes long run easy two days of strength. And she was second overall at a marathon last spring. Um, 315, you know, huge BQ wow. cushion, podiumed and stuff. And to me, it was this huge lesson of like, sometimes it's not that, you know, oh, the athlete needs more volume to improve. Oh, they need more workouts. Sometimes they need more recovery. And that has really helped me in working with just dozens of other athletes who might have that juggle of work, kids, job. Oh, I love that. I think that's that probably applies to so many runners who are listening that just pushing for more and more and more is not always the answer. Yeah. What about you? What what athlete has made you a better coach? Yeah, I one of the athletes that I was just I was thinking about probably because we just did a call. She ran New York last year when it was so ridiculously hot and she just had the best attitude, like start to finish. She was out there seven hours. And I always tell people like being out there for seven hours is absolutely every bit as hard as trying to get your PR at four hours or whatever. It is such a mental game. And when she finished and she sent me like her, you know, hey, I'm done. And like we started chatting just her like, joy at just, I got to do this. I was like, Meredith, this was just the best reminder that like, we get to do this. We get to choose how we feel about race day. It was in no way the race we trained for. Like she could have done significantly faster, but instead she was like, it is really hot. I know how I perform in heat. It's not going to be my day. So I'm going to say hi to all my friends on the course. And I'm just going to like really take this in. And of course, as mentioned, like I did Chicago the year previous and did not take that mental attitude. And I was like, man, what a different day I would have had if I just would have been like, you know what? 
yep, I've done the training, but I'm just going to like soak in the fact that I'm here because this is a pretty cool experience. That is a really good reminder. Um, and if anyone's curious about marathon pacing, um, our last episode, episode six covers that topic. Um, but wow, that's so awesome that she just brought so much like enjoyment to the process. Yeah, it's so great. I love, I don't know, I love all the athlete discussions we get to have. So moving on to supplements, I, this is such a massive topic. Um, I think it's a really interesting one too, because to me, supplements are a lot like carbon fiber shoes. If you aren't doing sort of the basic stuff first, it's not magically going to make you a better runner. And too often we sort of see people like falling into, well, I'll just take this supplement instead of eating better or sleeping or whatever the thing might be. Um, And so I think this, I hope will be useful in getting people to sort of think about what they're looking at. And I know you'll touch on this, but I am a very, very big proponent of getting tested like doing blood work before you start adding things. We often don't think about it, but even taking a multivitamin, I have seen athletes suddenly be really high in vitamin A or something else, and that causes actual issues. So taking things you don't need can create issues. Absolutely. Like I took an entire class on vitamins and minerals in graduate school, and no vitamin, no mineral, no supplement is without risk. Like you can through supplements get to like toxic levels of certain vitamins, certain minerals that can have really bad effects, not just on your performance, but your health. And we don't always think about that when we just are grabbing a bottle off the shelf at Whole Foods. Yeah. So one of the big things obviously is going to be quality. What are some things we can kind of look at there? Yeah. So the three big things to consider when choosing a supplement to help ensure good quality are purity, efficacy, and safety. That means that the ingredients are not tainted. And that is actually a really big problem. Um, There's been like in the cycling world, like people being disqualified because their supplement contained steroids or other stuff that they didn't know was in it. So you want to make sure it actually contains what it says it contains. That's a pure supplement. Efficacy means that what you're taking works for what you want it to do. So a lot of times it might involve doing some research, um, making sure that, you know, if it's an issue of like, oh, my energy's low, is the supplement actually going to help your energy? Is there peer-reviewed research that backs it, does what it claims to do? And then safety kind of goes back to purity that contains what it is, but that the dosing in it is safe. Um, you know, like I said, some vitamins and minerals have toxicity at certain points. So you want to make sure that the dosage is safe. For you, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, you want to make sure that the supplement is safe for you to take. You want to make sure that it doesn't interact with any medications you take, which can actually be an issue. Um, So if you're unsure, talk to a registered dietitian or a doctor about your particular case. Um, And then after kind of looking at those, it comes down to weighing risk versus rewards. Um, If we take caffeine, for example, which is like such a common supplement that like some of us don't even think of it as a supplement. Um... It, like for some people, the rewards outweigh the risk. For other people, the risk outweigh the rewards. Like I am a responder to caffeine. I drink coffee a lot. I feel great. Um, I don't do like a ton of caffeine on runs because it's like GI issues though. And that's like my way of the risk reward. 
some people, if they consume like even a little bit of caffeine in a gel, like they get a headache, they get jitters, they get palpitations, they don't feel good. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I've noticed this myself in maybe the last five to 10 years, I pay a lot more for any supplement that I buy because I have now seen like these entire books that will take every supplement on the shelf and run it through a process of testing. And they almost never contain exactly what's on the label when it's the stuff that you're just buying at the local pharmacy. Um, So I know it is a lot cheaper, but if it's not containing what it actually says, then you're not actually getting the benefit. So you're really just spending money that's not doing anything for you, or it's containing things that it's not supposed to. And so it's having the opposite or a negative effect. So I know it is hard sometimes to choose to spend a little bit more, um, but when I've decided there was something I was going to supplement with, that has been something I've really looked at. Um, And I know one of the things um, that you can kind of look for is, does this supplement have some kind of third-party testing that have some kind of outside verification? Um, And almost every supplement will say, like, we have studies, but they fund their own studies, they fund their own research. So looking to see if they have any other research is also really valuable. Um, I mean, we see that in like every recovery tool that is promoted to runners. Um, They've done their own research and therefore proven that it's a great tool. Yeah, yeah. And like, who knows what their research process or their statistics actually look like if they're not opening, like openly sharing that. Um, so yeah, third party tested looking if it's, um, not, or if it's certified safe for sport, NSF is usually a pretty like reliable thing for a supplement. Um, then when you're continuing your risk reward analysis, what are the ingredients? Will they interact with medications or with other supplements in my sport nutrition practicum? I caught one athlete like overdosing vitamin D because multiple supplements all contained different levels of vitamin D. And like people just sometimes take them without thinking like, oh, this one has vitamin D and so does this and so does this. And it was a lot of vitamin D. It scared me. Um, Does my blood work indicate that I need the supplement? This is especially applicable if you're looking at things like iron and iron toxicity and anemia can show up with very similar symptoms. So don't just think, oh, I'm a little tired. Let me take more iron. You might be tired because you have too much iron. So take your blood, do your blood work. Um, I love Insight Tracker. This is not sponsored. Um, I am a pro with them, but just I love them because it makes it easier and it gives you your numbers. Um, will this supplement have benefits that support my specific goals? How strong is the evidence supporting the benefits of this supplement? Can I achieve these benefits through dietary changes? Um, that's a big one because sometimes you don't need to take a pill. You need to adjust your diet. Again, is the supplement third-party tested? And then what are the risks? Because nothing is risk-free. Is it going to cause GI upset? Is it going to give you like weird symptoms? Always, Always look at a supplement, not just as what can it do for you, but what can it do against you? That's a great point. And I agree. I've used Inside Tracker since 2015. And one of the reasons is around dietary. So I like that it's first going to give me dietary recommendations to make a shift in something before I add a supplement. Um, So I think that's a great point. The other thing that I did want to just point out is 
timing of taking supplements really matters. So there are certain things that are fat soluble, which means you have to take them with food to actually get the benefit. And the other thing for a lot of people is not taking them before your runs. So I have made that GI mistake. Um, like I didn't realize what happened, but I had taken like vitamin D and something else and done my run. And I was just doubled over with pain. And I had a number of runners immediately say, oh my gosh, did you take your vitamins before? Because that has happened to me. So um, also an important, if you've suddenly started having issues on your run to consider, did I add a new supplement and am I taking it before my run? Yeah, absolutely. Like um, sometimes I've seen ones like they'll take a uh, melatonin at night, which is great. Melatonin's pretty safe. And then be like, why do I feel so draggy on my 4 a.m. run? And yeah, it's like little things can have cascading impacts. Yeah. So one of the first ones that I want to talk about is probiotics, um, because it's kind of one that seems real safe and real generic. Um, again, it's not something that everyone needs to take though, but it is something I've used myself for a long time because I did have gut issues. I've also seen it help a number of our athletes who have issues with runner's trots or GI distress because we're just trying to get that good bacteria built back up. Um, when we're talking about safety, Prevenix happens to be a brand that I have used forever and recommend, and it is largely because they have so much testing and so much data, and so I know what's actually in it. Um, so if you're looking for a good one, that's a good option. Um, important to know that when you're looking at a probiotic, you're not getting enough from the yogurt. You're just not. It's a great thing, like, and I love it, eat your yogurt, but you're not getting enough if you're really trying to like do some gut health. Um, most of the stuff that you are seeing on the shelves that's really cheap and it has like a billion strains, not enough. We need more like 30 billion. So you need more. And when it's just one strain, also not working. Um, so six strains, great. Five at least. Um, you want to have multiple different strains. They're all interacting in your gut in a different way. So it is important because, again, I feel like we've all done this, too. You're like, ah, I should take a probiotic. You just go, you find the cheap one, and it's usually marked, like, for women, and it's in a pink box. <laughs> and it has one billion and one strain, and you're like, I didn't notice any difference. And it's because it really wasn't actually doing anything. Um, so when we talk about probiotics, part of the reason we're using them is to, like we said, help reduce GI symptoms. It's also to improve nutrient absorption. So that's one of the reasons I first started taking it. I knew I was having some gut issues. I wasn't digesting everything the way I wanted, or I was feeling bloated all the time. Um, and then after that, I started to realize like I'm eating all this, but I'm not consistently absorbing everything. And it's just, again, improving that gut health. Absolutely. And one other added benefit, if you're listening and you're like, oh, but my gut's good, um, is that probiotics are actually shown to reduce the occurrence of upper respiratory tract infections, which runners are really prone to. Um, so like a lot of times we think like, oh, if I take vitamin C, I'm not going to get sick. And that's that's not as really robust as we once thought. But um, the ISSN position stand on probiotics goes through that like 
they actually interact with your immune system, including your immune system in your gut, which is where a lot of bad viruses can come through. Um, and so like you'll have less occurrence of sickness, sicknesses will last less long. Um, so you just tend to be like, it's good for overall health, even if your GI system seems to be pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. We forget that, honestly, a lot of our immune system lives in our gut. And so especially when traveling, especially like don't start this right before a race, folks. I want to know how your body responds. But when you're traveling to races and you're trying to keep your system high because you're stressed and you're around a lot of people like, you know, that probiotic can really help there, too. But again, everything should be tested in training. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, probiotics can cause like a minor level of GI upset as you get used to them. Again, like Amanda said earlier, don't take them right before you go run. Um, but then to kind of bridge into like our next supplement, I would actually argue that it's probiotics that make this one popular supplement as effective as people think it is. Um, that's just my hypothesis because you hear a lot of people talk about Ooh, athletic greens. It makes me feel so good. I would wager it's the probiotics in that um, rather than some sort of magic pill in it. Um, so maybe if you're kind of tempted by athletic greens, take a probiotic first, see how that goes. But athletic greens, we see it everywhere on social media, on podcasts. Um, I personally have mixed feelings from an evidence-based standpoint. Um, athletic greens is third-party tested, but it's also expensive it's a proprietary blend, which means that the ingredients are disclosed, but not their amounts. So we don't actually know if like the adaptogens in it are in amounts enough to be effective. We just don't know. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. It's not fully disclosed um, and it's not for everyone. So if Athletic Greens is in your budget and you um, don't have any medications that interact with it, and you're not using it to replace things in your diet, might be fine. Um, but the things that do concern me with Athletic Greens, um, one, I'm kind of wary of very high antioxidant supplements. Um, while this isn't like conclusive evidence, it is a bit equivocal, there have been some studies that have found that high doses of vitamin C and vitamin E to antioxidants may blunt training adaptations, particularly relating to like the mitochondria of the cell, in well-trained athletes. And we don't want that. Like, I don't want my training to be blunted because I took too much of a vitamin. We're taking vitamins to help our performance. Um, there's also like some stuff that antioxidants in too high doses may actually become pro-oxidant activity. Again, that's kind of novel research, but I'm just a little wary of it. Um, importantly, uh, Athletic Greens does not contain iron. It does not contain vitamin D. I think they sell vitamin D dropper, but if you're wanting those... Athletic Greens isn't going to help you. Um, those adaptogens in it might interact with some medications, which is, I think, something not a lot of people consider. So if you're on, like, say, a blood thinner, those really high doses of vitamins may cause your blood thinner to be less effective. The adaptogens may interact with, like, diabetes medications or stuff. They're definitely not recommended if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, which Athletic Greens does disclose. And this is a big one, like, Athletic Greens does not replace eating vegetables in your diet. I think that's got to be the biggest one. So I can 100% say like, hey, this is not new. I think people think it's a new thing, but Athletic Greens has been around since I lived in Miami. So well over a decade. 
I absolutely, in the Miami lifestyle, dove into it because like we were eating raw and vegan. Um, and it tastes awful. I'm just going to say it. It tastes awful because it's just greens. Now, are there some benefits? And do I have some friends that swear up and down by it? A hundred percent. So you have to know the risk reward here, like you said, and kind of figure out if it's right for you. Um, but I think too often, the main reason I see people lean towards it is they know they're not eating great. And so therefore, this is supposed to supplement that. But you're not getting the fiber, you're not getting nutrients in the same way. And so there's been some cool research around like taking the pill of a supplement versus like getting it out of the whole food. And you get more from the whole food, probably because there's all these things interacting to create that food. So I think that's a huge point. Yeah. Like if you're, and again, like if you want to take it and it doesn't interact with anything and you're willing to pop a hundred dollars a month, great. But also look at your diet, eat real food, eat five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. That's better than athletic greens. Yeah. So again, we aren't saying like, it's awful. Don't take it. Just know risk reward. And what is it actually doing for you? I think sometimes we start taking things and don't actually pay attention to, am I actually feeling any different? And was that the only thing I changed when I did that? Okay, so another one to talk about, I think, is inflammation fighters. So we're talking about turmeric and fish oil and CBD oil. Um, inflammation became like this really negative word, and we were trying to constantly combat it and beat it down. Um, so I think it's important to remember that not all inflammation is bad. So every time you work out, there is some inflammation created. When you do a strength workout, you've broken down muscles. It's inflamed. When you do a long run, it's inflamed. And that's intentional. So at that moment, we want that inflammation because it's actually then telling the body, hey, I need you to go to this area and I need you to make it stronger so I can do this thing again. So we don't want to be taking any of these things immediately after workouts. So turmeric or anything like that, because I don't want to dull that inflammation. I want my body to go work. I want to make progress. So I think timing becomes really important. Um, it's the same reason I don't love it when people take an ice bath immediately after a workout. Um, different can of worms for a different day. But couple things to think about here. Um, so I, I definitely like this stuff. This is stuff that I have used. Um, but again, you need to know why and when you're using it. So fish oil for me was one where I did some blood tests, honestly, and kept coming back low in omegas. Um, and so it was like, oh, I need that because without enough of that inflammation fighting, I am having aches and joint pain. And there's some great research around fish oil, but the quality of the fish oil is massive. Um, so with things like fish burps, it is a sign that you're actually taking something that's low quality. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, turmeric. So turmeric capsules and pills, um, you need to take those with food. So when I mentioned earlier, fat soluble, turmeric is a good example of that. Um, so if you're just taking it, you know, with a glass of water and it's not around a mealtime, you actually aren't fully getting it all in your system, getting the benefits. Um, 
there was a meta-analysis, so that means they looked at 10 studies, and they actually all reported showing improvement in pain and function from a baseline by adding turmeric. A few of them even specifically compared it to taking an inset and saw like the same results. So I think that's cool when you're looking at, hey, maybe I don't want to be taking like Advil and Tylenol and things like that all the time. Um, so helpful, especially they were showing kind of looking at arthritis and some things like that. Um, so that chronic inflammation that you're dealing with. Um, the other one that I think is interesting is CBD. Um, so CBD oil, not so new now, um, but I think some folks are still kind of trying to figure it out. And for me, what was most interesting, because when it first came out, I thought, no way, this is some crazy drug thing, but kind of realizing it actually works with the endocannabinoid system that already exists in our brain. So you already have all these receptors that your brain wants to use to help reduce pain, to help you relax, to make you feel better. And so that's all CBD oil is actually working with. Um, and again, there are actually now a number of studies that have looked specifically around arthritis and found benefits of using the CBD oil. So I think most of these studies aren't going to be on athletes. They are going to be on kind of this chronic sort of pain. So you have to see where it sort of fits in for you. Um, CBD is one that I say, if you're going to use it, it's often kind of a nice like nighttime thing. So going to bed. And that's where I actually think the largest benefit of it may come is that it can improve your sleep quality. So getting more sleep, getting the right amount of sleep, and that's where your body is doing all of the recovery. So for a lot of people, I think that's where it can be really, really beneficial. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like things that help you sleep, help you recover. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting about the turmeric, like, especially now that like some races don't let you take NSAIDs, like, I wonder. Yeah, it could be a good option. And also it's not going to have the um, gut issues. So like we don't want to be taking like Tylenol and things before we run. We know that's bad on both the gut and the kidneys. So stop it, folks. I know some of you are taking pain relieving stuff before you run. Um, so turmeric could be an option where it's not going to. Um, override your senses. So you're not going to like push through pain per se, um, but could be helpful. Interesting. Um, yeah, the, I, that's really interesting. Um, so then another supplement that probably a lot of you hear about, I got questions a lot on this one, is creatine. It's wildly popular right now, but actually for good reason. Um, I feel like we constantly talked about creatine in my sport nutrition programs in grad school. Like in every context, like, oh, it helps football players with concussions. Oh, it helps, you know, aging athletes. Um, it is one of the safest and most effective supplements on the market, assuming you're buying high quality creatine monohydrate um, from a third party tested thing. However, it gets a little weird with running because like it doesn't directly help running performance, but for some people there may be indirect ones. So it's like not every runner should take creatine, but it might be something you consider. Um, it's a non-protein amino acid. Creatine is stored in our muscles and it comes naturally from foods like red meat or seafood. Um, creatine supplements just naturally increase those stores. Um, so normally we need like about one to three grams of creatine a day from food. Creatine supplements are usually dosed 
three to five grams per day. So your creatine stores get bigger. Um, vegetarians will tend to have lower creatine stores. So they're a population that might benefit from supplementing creatine. Mm-hmm. Um, now where creatine comes into play is it, um, the creatine phosphate system is one of the ways of producing energy, but it's used to produce very short, explosive, easily fatiguing movements. Um, so like things lasting 20 seconds or less, resistance training, sprinting, plyometrics, um, not so much long distance running. I like all energy systems are kind of going on in the background, but long distance running use mostly glycolysis and oxidative metabolism. So we don't have like a ton of evidence right now on direct performance benefits of creatine supplementation. Although I know there's a study out there that shows it helps cyclists with um, late race surging, which is more commonly used in cycling than in running. Um, they race a little differently than us. Um, but there are some scenarios where runners might benefit from creatine supplementation. Um, if you're doing both running and heavy resistance training, lots of strength training, which is becoming more and more common nowadays, um, as we see the benefits of strength training for runners, you will benefit. One of the big advantages of creatine supplementation is that it helps build muscle mass. It helps strength adaptations. You get stronger from supplementing creatine. You get more muscle built out of your strength workouts. Um, Older athletes might benefit a little bit more um, as some evidence such as in the ISSN position stand suggests that creatine might be protective against um, sacropenia, the age-related muscle loss. Um, And like a lot of times that is why athletes are sometimes seeing a performance decline with age um, is because you're losing muscle. Training is obviously protective against it, but creatine can help. Um, Athletes with neurodegenerative diseases might see a benefit, but, you know, for anyone in that situation, definitely talk to your doctor before adding in a supplement. Um, And then while, again, it doesn't directly improve running performance, there are some indirect benefits. So creatine can really help with recovery and glycogen resynthesis during high training loads. Um, So like, if recovery is really tough for you and you've already looked to make sure you are eating enough, because that's first thing first, you might want to add in creatine. Um, it's important that you take it daily. It's not like, oh, I just take it after my long run because that's when I feel like I need the most glycogen resynthesis. It's like a you take it continually to have the benefits from it. Um, it might also improve your heat tolerance because of the fact that creatine enhances intracellular fluid retention. Um, now with that fluid retention, you might notice a little bit of weight gain with it, but don't panic. It's just part of its function. Um, we haven't looked at those in the research a ton directly to endurance performance, but there's some indirect benefits that some athletes might want to consider. Um, again, if you take creatine three to five grams per day, um, there are like these loading protocols that are a little more complicated, but the three to five grams per day is incredibly safe. Um, athletes have been shown to take up to like larger, like 30 grams a day for five years straight and not have any ill effects. So don't take 30 grams a day, but like know that this is really safe to take long-term. Just make sure you get creatine monohydrate from a third-party company. Um, Momentus is a great brand for it. That's, I didn't know about the heat tolerance. I think that's actually a super interesting one um, and sort of makes sense with that extra fluid retention in the muscles. Um, Yeah, that excites me. Yeah, I 
a lot of fun research could really come out of that. And I think it's really moving in that direction. So in a few years, we might know even more. Yeah, I feel like we'll know more around endurance athletes with it before long, because for whatever reason, it has finally really hit like mainstream here in the last year. And I do feel like we see it constantly. So that often leads to funding for more research. Yeah. And like people might be researching it now. It's just research takes years. Like it's a long lag to get things approved, granted, run the tests, go through peer review, publish. Yeah. So another supplement that I think often gets overlooked as being a supplement is protein powder. Um, But it 100% is a supplement and you need to think of it that way. So I know a lot of you, similar to me, struggle to get in enough protein, especially as protein has also become the new hot topic lately of making sure we're not just getting carbs, but actually enough protein. Um, one of the things I kind of set for myself as a goal and that I often talk about my athletes with is trying to make sure that you're not using more than one serving of some kind of protein powder in your day to get to your needs because it is a supplement. So it's the first goal is getting it from food as much as we can. However, sometimes we're busy. It's immediately after a run, those kinds of things. And it does help to have these quick options. Um, we do know there's been a number of studies. There was one in 2018 in particular that showed that taking in that protein right after that training played a role in optimizing performance, influencing the recovery so that both in um, resistance and endurance exercise, the recovery was improved for the next day. So it matters. So we try to make things that are going to be like easy, whether that's a drink, a powder or a bar. Um, also important protein powder is not bad for your kidneys. <laughs> so I've seen that float around sometimes. It's not true. If you have too much protein, your body just gets rid of it. Um, so it's not harming you. Okay. Once you've looked at things and you are hopefully food first focused, but you need that little additive, a few things to think about. Um, We've already talked about quality. So like Laura mentioned, NSF certified is a great thing to see on a label. It means you know that athletes can use it in competition. So therefore it's probably pretty clean and you shouldn't have any issues with like the ingredients and things that are in it. But other things that are important to look for on the label One of the key things is to look for leucine. So that's going to immediately be in your whey-based options, but in your plant-based options, you need to look for it. So leucine, we know, is the key component that is actually helping with that muscle building, muscle repair. So um, look for that above and beyond. Um, We do also know from studies that whey-based protein has shown to better promote muscle growth. So that doesn't mean that your plant-based options can't work, but whey just consistently works better, probably because of the amino acid profile is kind of what it comes down to. So that's a dairy-based option. There are plenty of dairy-based options that are lactose-free. So I tend to need things that are lactose-free. So Iconic, Core Power, those are a couple to kind of look at. Um, If you're like, okay, I want the biggest benefit, but I need to try and find something that feels better. Other things to look for, we want it to have at least 20 grams of protein per serving in that powder. Um, So really maximizing. Otherwise, you start adding like multiple scoops and you're taking a very 
large amount of powder and it becomes weird and gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. Other things to look for. So additives in particular, if you're seeing like aspartame, saccharin, um, sometimes maltodextrin, GMOs, I mean, muscle milk, I certainly, again, remember trying this when it first came out like decades ago. But if you look at the list on the side of that thing, it's so many weird words. Um, and I know it may taste sweet and lovely, but uh, just think about what is happening in your gut as it tries to work through all that. And so then you absolutely need the probiotic. <laughs> so <laughs> looking at the ingredients matters. Um, and with that, I'll say there are also a number of them now that are adding in greens powders and adding in probiotics or adding in digestive enzymes. So they're trying to make their powder the be all end all, which can be fine, but just know what you're getting in there. So, you know, like, man, my stomach is feeling kind of weird or whatever that might be. And, oh, well, it's got a digestive enzyme in this thing. I didn't even know that. Um, so just taking a look at that. And then also kind of thinking about why am I using this powder? So Neurofy is one that is, I would consider an actual meal replacement. So it is, I have finished my run and there is no chance you're going to get me to sit down and eat some oatmeal or anything else, but I need those calories. So it's protein powder that does have some of those other things mixed in so that you can just mix it and go. Um, other options are going to be a lot lower in carbs. So I mentioned core power earlier, much lower in carbs. So it's an option where if I'm going to drink that, I'm also going to be eating some toast or eating a banana and getting in those carbs with it. So I think sometimes I will see folks just drink a protein shake and it's 20 grams of protein, but has three grams of carbs. And so you're not actually getting the full recovery. Um, so again, we're just kind of figuring out why am I using this? What's the actual goal that I'm getting out of it? Um, and sometimes like even that post protein drink, if you know, you're going to eat some, for some folks I've just found it gets them to hydrate as well. So there can be a lot of benefits to it and you don't have to use a full serving. Um, that's where, like I said, maybe you just need half a serving of powder to kind of get you started while you go shower, get ready, and then you'll sit down and actually eat a little more food. So it can definitely have some benefits in different uses. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I, I love protein powder like that plus oat milk after a long run, it gets carbs from the oat milk, protein from the protein powder, hydration, great when I can't stomach anything. Um, I feel like this is a topic we could go on and on about is all different types of supplements. Um, if there are any other supplements you want to hear about, DM us, send us an email, um, let us know, and maybe we'll have a part two on this because there's just so much to say on supplements. Yeah, so much. So thank you for joining us again for Tread Lightly. Absolutely take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. We super appreciate it.